Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 57 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Ophidian of the Chikara Wrestling Promotion. How are you doing today, Ophidian? Life is wonderful, friend. Life is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us this morning. I know it's, uh, well, I guess it's not quite morning for you there anymore. It's almost noon. Before we get too deep into anything, uh, we like to get to know our, our new guests. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, this is my favorite part of any podcast. <laughs> I am the venomous and vile serpent from the Nile, the one and only master of snake style, the Cobra Supernova Ophidian. You know, I guess those that are unaware, I'm a performer, like you mentioned, with Chikara Pro, where I'm also one of the trainers at their Wrestle Factory training facility um, based out of Northeast Philadelphia. Uh, Chikara is a company that uh, travels internationally and around the U.S. producing Lucha Libre shows inspired by comic book and uh, uh, nerd culture. Um and uh, I've been doing it for about 10 years now, not just with Jakara, but traveling around the world and uh, performing with anybody that allows me to step foot into a professional wrestling ring. That's awesome. How how long have you been doing this? 10 years. What areas of, I know your promotion is very comic book and, and kind of geek culture based, but personally, what are your areas of geekitude? What areas do you think, um, you know, do you tend to gravitate the most uh, well, uh, I, without a doubt, tend to lend towards, uh, video games, my, uh, geek, my geek, uh, inspirations. Um, which I know it's a question coming up later, uh, but I'll, sl- I'll, I'll, I'll throw a slight mention out there now. Huge Mortal Kombat fan. Uh-huh. Massive. Um, and not just, uh, for the fighting game element, but for all the lore, uh, and all the story that's told within that world, uh, people don't realize how deep and rich it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I mean, Final Fantasy, I, I, replaying Legend of Dragoon, which is a PlayStation 1 RPG uh, on my phone right now. Can't get enough of Destiny. Uh, currently playing Dishonored 2 as well. I, I, there's every aspect of my life. If it isn't consumed by professional wrestling, it's consumed by video games and or movies. Uh, which uh, we just uh, 
was just finished up um Luke Cage uh as well as um Doctor Strange. What did you think of Doctor Strange? I'm glad to see the magical element being introduced into the uh Marvel universe um for multiple reasons because I'm a huge Blade fan and if Doctor Strange means that we can get a little more Blade and characters like Moon Knight stuff like that into the world then great. And I think Doctor Strange did it well and found a reasonable way to incorporate magic into a world that doesn't contain any magic whatsoever yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say that you're about the fourth or fifth person that I've talked to either on this show or, or listened to their show that really likes Moon Knight. And I, I'm going to have to get into this character. I definitely know of Moon Knight, but I didn't realize that he had such a following. I like mythical creatures. Mm-hmm. werewolves and vampires and things related to you know like the creatures of the night right and uh moon fate moon knight uh i know this comparison gets thrown out there a lot he's not batman but if batman strictly went after those kind of magical creatures mm-hmm. i would say you'd see where moon knight it's more of moonlight's uh better comparison for moon knight um like a batman version of a um blade <laughs> you know <laughs> of a, a creature that would do that a hunch creatures that's awesome yeah because I, yeah. I love all that stuff so that's all i'm gonna have to check them out now are there areas where you feel like your geekitude is kind of low you're not so uh you don't you don't join the conversation when it comes up doctor who <laughs> i'm right there with you buddy <laughs> uh not that I, did anything wrong. I just i haven't watched it i've never gotten into it i think at this point i don't know i've, I've been told this massive amounts of seasons um I don't know how anybody could just jump right into it that's never been into it. I know each season is different, but they somehow all interconnect, and I feel like I'd be lost if I didn't start from day one. So I just, I haven't. I'm confused, too. (laughs) So so much of my life is consumed with catching up on other, uh, you know, golf nerd and uh, geek culture that I've missed. Um, I can't do that to myself. I can't Doctor Who myself. It's so hard. There's so much stuff, and and in this golden age of geekiness, um, it's like we just keep getting more and more stuff. It's it's really hard to keep up. Absolutely. I was uh, talking uh, to my wife about this a bit, um, keeping up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even it's starting to get a bit difficult, mm-hmm. um, as we follow S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. You know, you follow all the Netflix-inspired TV shows. You have all the movies, and now they've announced that they're going to be doing, you know, uh, an Inhuman spinoff for television on top of what we're getting with S.H.I.E.L.D., and there's still talks of that uh, secondary S.H.I.E.L.D. show that is uh, on a comedy-based where um, it's a cleanup crew, like what happens mm-hmm. after a superhero has destroyed a city. I don't remember the name of those comics off the top of my head, but, you know, it would be a third ABC show on top of the you know, Defenders line that's happening on, on Netflix and, of course, all the movies. There's so much. There's so much to be consumed. That alone can, you know, fill you up. Yeah, well, uh, I also think they're they're launching, like, a, I don't remember if it's live. I think it's live action, but it may be a, an animated show. I think they're doing Cloak and Dagger. Yes, yes, they announced Cloak and Dagger as well. Yeah, so Marvel's got all their properties out there right now. It's pretty It's pretty awesome. Let's jump on it while it's still hot before everybody runs away to something else. Exactly. <laughs> and so you said that Mortal Kombat is your is your jam, right? That's your favorite fandom? Absolutely. Uh, everything about Mortal Kombat, uh, from the lame uh, live-action television show that happened uh, you know, in the late, uh, late 90s, the lame movies, uh, the 
comic books, the anim- uh, animated series that came on Saturday mornings, even like the really super cheesy uh, online series from the early 2000s, uh, Federation of the Martial Arts, um, and this new awesome reboot uh, in the uh, Legacy, which just happened, which is a newer web series for them over the last couple of years. There's nothing about Mortal Kombat that I haven't thrown myself deeply into. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I remember it coming out when I was younger, and uh, the big controversies because it was very violent. It's like it's a fighting game. It's supposed to be violent. The Sega Genesis, you had to have the code for the original game in order to uh, get into it because of the parental controls. Mm-hmm. If you remember to have blood and all that, and uh, where we've come from since then, since the uh, the eighties. Uh, parental codes on video games. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. I mean, I'm down to uh, even having uh, Mortal Kombat tattoos on my back. Oh wow! Uh, not characters, more the logos from the show. You'd have to be a real nerd of the, uh, you know, real deep in the geekdom uh, to know that the Mortal Kombat tattoos. Um, but yeah, I'm at that point. Even uh, some of the uh, in-ring gear that I've worn has been inspired by Mortal Kombat characters like Scorpion and Ermac and Reptile. I've done variations of their outfits. In my gear uh, when I performed. Now, um, do you have a favorite Mortal Kombat character? No, hands down, Scorpion. Not yeah. a doubt. Yeah, he's um, definitely one of the one of the the ever everlasting ones that's that's on the uh, I guess the evergreen ones that just never never dies for people. Oh, he's got the classic like kung fu martial arts story. You know, he had a clan. His family and his clan were murdered. He remains a vengeful spirit to you know come back to defeat all the people that have or the person. Which ends up, you find out later, it's not Sub-Zero, it's really Quan Chi and his dark forces that destroy Scorpion and his family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love classic Kung Fu. That's also another place where uh, I really exist, is uh, classic Kung Fu films like the Shaw Brothers mm-hmm. stuff. Absolutely, uh, like uh, One-Armed Swordsman and Five Deadly Venoms, uh, Man Golden Arms, just... Uh, yeah, speaking of, I was thinking about that the other day, talking about movies. I'm kind of waiting for that kind of genre to come back a little bit more. Maybe with uh, with Iron Fist coming out on Netflix, it'll it'll stir up some people's imaginations, and we'll get some more you know martial arts films. I think it really exists with the uh, with the stars. I mean, the last time we had a big surge of martial arts films was when Jackie Chan was massively producing films in the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, after him, we had Jet Li, who didn't have the personality of Jackie Chan. Now, Jet Li was a great martial artist, but he didn't have that natural goofy charisma that we, we seem to all be drawn to with Jackie Chan. Right, right. Or that charisma that Bruce Lee had, you know, that uh, that stoic, badass, no-nonsense, you know, type guy um, that you truly believed. We haven't had one of them. Right now, Donnie Yen is the main martial artist in that scene of movies, but he, too, while great martial artist, so he does things that nobody else I've ever seen do, uh, just doesn't have that same thing that guys like Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee have had, you know, that really draw you back into that martial arts world. I, I it, He does for me, but I understand that he, that he may not have the mass appeal you know, as those guys do. Yeah, that's the that's the sticking point is that that mass appeal and and if it you know if it stays niche it's hard to it's hard to promote it's hard to get out there but yeah well well hopefully like I said hopefully with the new Iron Fist uh, 
you know, it'll it'll have people starting to look in those directions again. Now, is there anything that you are a big fan of that's not very mainstream and you think more people need to know about? <laughs> um, this is right up there with Mortal Kombat. WMAC Masters. It's a TV show that doesn't exist anymore. It happened in the early 90s, but man, that, that was a huge turning point in my life. Watching that on TV sent me in the path that I am on currently, you know. WMAC Masters was essentially a live action video game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if, you, if you don't, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's essentially a, it was a fighting tournament where uh, martial artists, real martial artists, guys that generally weren't actors that were martial artists firsts, were given you know goofy gimmicks like like in pro wrestling and made to fight as if it was a video game. They had life bars on the screen and they would fight each other. And they, if you defeated your opponent, you won their star. You collected all the stars. You got to fight for the championship, which contained all the stars in the belt because that slots for it. And that's the way it went. And it was a great mix of fantasy and pro wrestling and Mortal Kombat and all things related. I think it uh, it was too early. I think it definitely, uh, it was very early 90s, but -hmm. what they were doing was just... It was the jump-off point for stuff like that we got eventually later with uh, uh, with live-action Mortal Kombat movies and all that. Like it really influenced all that. And you could see because some of those characters eventually even made it to those shows. Like Red Dragon, who is the main character for WMAC Masters, was Scorpion in the movies. He was Scorpion in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with uh, De- Machine, who was also a character in the movies. Yeah, I actually do remember that quite a bit. <laughs> I remember watching oh. that as yeah, I was in junior high, I'm pretty sure, and uh, or, or early high school and. And I, I do remember watching that, and I remember loving it. I remember liking it a lot more than a lot of the other stuff that was out there because it was so different. It did have kind of that more fantasy video game feel to it. I, is, do we even know if there's a, like, I mean, with this age of internet, is there anywhere you can go to watch that stuff? Uh, WMAC Masters has never been produced on DVD. It only remains on VHS right now, so you can buy like a VHS master collection of it. <laughs> or <laughs> if you got a VCR still, I guess you're good to go. There have been people that have, uh, you know, put it on DVD themselves, like essentially homemade uh, reports, but nothing that exists. It's not, it's a forgotten TV show. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. And it's, it saddens me. I, my love for that show needs more of it. I need more of it in my life. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm going to just do, I know this makes for great podcasting, but I am looking for it on YouTube. Oh, you could definitely find it broken up in pieces. Um, yeah, and there are definitely pieces of it on there, but nothing, it doesn't look like any full episodes. No, it's a, it's two seasons worth of television where you can't get one YouTube channel that has all two seasons cut together properly. Well, that's a bummer, but now that you've got me thinking about this, this is going to be a uh, a new thing that I'm going to be looking into, because that's, that's nostalgia right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of nostalgia right there. There was a Mortal Kombat TV show that was done in a similar format. And what I mean is, uh, obviously, it's not the same kind of TV show. The Mortal Kombat's very different as far as what it's presenting. It's very adult entertainment compared to WMAC Masters. But Mortal Kombat had a show called Conquest that came on in the late 90s that used a lot of that martial arts style that was on that TV show on it. And it was extremely well done. It's another show that the martial arts, the action that happened on there was better uh, than the movies were. Mm-hmm. The, the fight scenes, the the way they use their powers, and the fantasy element of it. Sometimes the worlds were just better than what we were getting with, you know, Mortal Kombat Annihilation or the first movie, just Mortal Kombat. Um, and it blew my mind that that level of production could exist for that show, but they couldn't do that for the movies. I think if you like WMAC Masters, you might, still not that, you might like Mortal Kombat Conquest. I will have to check that out. 
Yeah, because I like I said, I haven't I haven't explored this uh, stuff until since I was I, mostly junior high, high school, and then I had a roommate that was really into it post college. So for maybe two or three years there, but this is like an area of forgotten geekiness for me. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to go back and check a lot of this stuff out. Sorry if I ran it too long there about Mortal Kombat. You uh, opened up Pandora's box there. And oh, I gave it to you. <laughs> hey, that's what we that's what we do here. <laughs> that's exactly what we do here. So that's not a problem at all. We are gonna be talking quite a bit about Chikara for the rest of the show, but are there any things other than Chikara that you're working on right now that you'd like to, to talk about? Uh, sure. This is definitely very far removed from professional wrestling, but on a personal level, uh, my wife and I run a company called Closet Champion, which in which we make professional wrestling gear. But under that, we've recently launched our own podcast called Bump and Grind, which is uh, which is giving you an inside look on what it's like to make it as a working class artist in both burlesque and professional wrestling. Oh, wow. My, my wife is a burlesque performer. So we talk about the, the bump and grind of, you know, having to work for yourself from home and having to get yourself booked and and what it's like to create art at an independent level and the struggle, you know, that comes from that with having to create content that keeps people alive and, and vocal and wanting to come back to you and not leave you for the millions of other things that they could leave you for on the Internet. On top of what it's like to work shows and um, hopefully be a guide for people that are interested in moving into those industries, something they can refer to to help them out, you know, get their feet wet in whatever career that they've wanted. And I don't think it just pertains to just burlesque and pro wrestling. I think we, what we talk about is broad enough that it can relate to any art form that you're pursuing on an independent level. Yeah, well, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like, you know, the, the business end of art, which is something that a lot of people are looking for. I think that's a great idea. Absolutely. It, uh, we're only on, a our third episode now, um, but we both have had long and lengthy careers within our industries, and we have a lot to talk about, a whole lot. Uh, I have just as much to talk about that as I do with Mortal Kombat, or vice versa. I'm twisting my words up there, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a great time. Um, I think it's a it's a great listen, even if you aren't necessarily again into pro wrestling or burlesque. We talk about like our most recent episode. Kate went to something called BurleyCon, which is a burlesque convention that is specifically for learning. So we talk about the aspects of of seeking um, additional education and the mm -hmm. pursuit of it and what that actually means for your art form. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a drama teacher. And so, you know, it's been a while since I've gone back and, and taken an acting class. But anytime I've had an opportunity to do a workshop or something, it, you, you know, art changes and, and trends move and the business of it all is, is very fluid. And so, yeah, anytime you can go and get additional information on what you love and, and expand your art, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, back when I was doing um, technical theater, it was all very analog, and now it's all digital with all of these different displays and 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 you know hardware that I'm not used to, and so I have to kind of learn it and, <laughs> and teach it to a, a you know other you know the kids are actually better at it than I am. But uh, but yeah, arts arts an amazing thing. No matter what happens to be, it's just always changing, always different. So very cool, very very cool. And just throwing it out there, you can. Check that out and support it for those that may be interested at patreon.com slash closet champion. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's that's also a whole other thing as far as the business of art goes is, is Patreon. The whole <laughs> idea of having to create the content kind of to prove yourself so that uh, people will come and support you. Yep. Oh, very cool. Well, we're going to move on to uh, what we did to keep it geeky this week. Um, we're recording this uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, although it's going to go up the... The first Monday in, in January, or uh, 
December. Um, so this kind of gives you a, an idea of where we're coming from. Uh, I've had this week off, which has been wonderful, and I have played a lot of Heroes of the Storm. I don't know if you're familiar with that game at all. Uh, only by name. I've never actually uh, pursued it in any way. Um, it's an MMORPG, right? Um, it's actually uh, it's a MOBA, so it's like League of Legends or uh, uh, okay. Dota 2. Yeah, and uh, and so got really in heavy into it after um, I went to BlizzCon this year, and they had a big promotion where if you play uh, 15 games with friends, then you get a free character, and if you play 30 free uh, 30 games with friends, then you get four additional characters. So after 30 games, you have five free characters, you know, all unlocked for you. And so this week, it's been a lot of fun. A bunch of my uh, seniors have logged on to, uh, we have a an esports team at my school, so we have a, a group chat. So we've logged on there, and I've played a couple of rounds with my seniors. And uh, it's kind of fun. It's 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 a new perspective of playing video games with people considerably younger than you <laughs> there's a lot more of you know where you're kind of carefully kind of going in and then coming back out and not trying not to overextend and they just charge right in <laughs> uh, and sometimes to the, the the betterment of the team and sometimes to the well that wasn't so great but uh but it's been a lot of fun it's been uh it's been great being able to hang out with them online and um sharing stuff that we love uh how about you what have you been up to this week uh, well, I think I'll uh, go the same path as you here, as because of Thanksgiving this week, I needed something to uh, help keep me entertained while with the family. Well, I love and enjoy my family. Uh, spending days with them can be a little rough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a very extensive family, um, so I I, uh, I acquired a Pokemon hack called Fire Red Z Max. Um, so it's a, uh, a hack of Fire Red, um, mm -hmm. the Game Boy Advance game, where they've replaced all the Pokemon with Dragon Ball Z characters. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and all the elements in the game, the items, the story, the, the not NPCs have all been switched over to Dragon Ball Z characters as well. So there's still some elements of Pokemon in it, as far as, like, the music and the basic world layout. Mm-hmm. But it's all Dragon Ball Z, and it is awesome. You get to choose between Vegeta, Goku, or Gohan as one of your starters for uh, <laughs> the game. And, you know, when they evolve, they evolve into their Super Saiyan forms, and you their items are all based on, uh, you know, like the Sensu Beans and, and things of that nature from the TV show. Uh, they're all, instead of being captured in Pokeballs, they're captured in capsules mm -hmm. from Capsule Corp, which is, you know, if you're not familiar with the series, it's the main science company in the anime, um, which is run by Bulma and Trunks' family. So yeah, I spent my uh, last couple days just nerding out over this Pokemon hack of uh, inspired by Dragon Ball Z. That's awesome. Now, um, the fr I actually heard you on um, the It's Super Effective podcast, and we had uh, SBJ on this show um, a while ago. Uh, have you gotten uh, Sun and Moon? Are you going to be getting Sun or Moon? Uh, I plan on it. I just have, like I mentioned on that show, actually, I still am down at DS after breaking mine. Oh. Um, so I was hoping that going into the holidays, I happen to get a Nintendo DS, a new one, a 3DS, and can get Sun and Moon. Yeah, that, I'm hoping. That, I haven't, I haven't, I have it. I have not, uh, I have not cracked it open yet. So it will be, uh, I think, going into the the next set of holidays. That will be my 
my drug of choice, my video game drug of choice. <laughs> it's easy for me to kind of be able to get my hands on that stuff uh, to play it because I do a lot of traveling. So I, I prefer mobile gaming more than I about to say tabletop is uh, to, you know refined home gaming like an Xbox or um, because I travel enough that you know it's it's necessary. It's nice like on a thirteen hour car trip which I'll be taking next Friday to have, you know, my Nintendo 3DS with me or games that I can play on my phone, whether it be like old PS1 games or just current, you know, like Pokemon hack, uh, they're going to keep me, keep me going in the 13 hours, 26 altogether because of the drive back. You've got to, you've got to have a lot of time on the road with all yes. the, uh, the locations you have to get to. So I, I imagine that having a hobby like gaming, uh, it, has its definite advantages with that kind of lifestyle. It definitely does. It's kept me from going insane. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Anything else that you you were up to this week, or was that pretty much it? Uh, other than that, I mean, uh, man, I spent so much of my time, especially this week, because we had our students. Uh, we have a lot of college kids in our training facility because, you know, they're away from home now, and now their parents can't tell them they can't sign up to be professional wrestlers because mm-hmm. they're off the way to college. <laughs> um, so uh, we had a lot of kids off this, from school this week or, you know, got out of classes early, whatever the case may be, you know, training at school. So we're pretty busy at the school this week with all these students that uh, could take additional classes because they weren't in school. Um, so I spent a lot of time at the training facility this week, on top of, you know, playing Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to talk about the school when we hit the the main part of it. But before we do that, um, I do want to remind everyone, this is probably the third time you've um, heard this at this point, but like I said, we're, we're recording this on the 26th, so uh, this won't start until the 29th, but you'll hear it on the forth so it's the magic of podcasting time travel uh the nerd out kickstarter is should be by the time you hear this in full swing uh i just want to remind you guys what this is all about um our friend michelle jensen l from your friend l uh has the nerd out app we've talked about this multiple times on our show it's a calendar app for geeky stuff in your area and they have, uh, I think, something like 35 uh, cities around the U.S. and in the U.K. And they're updating their software. They are relaunching the app. They're going to do Nerd Out App 2.0, get uh, a lot of special features there. So as you hear this episode, if you can, jump over to their Kickstarter. We'll have a link in the show notes and uh, give her some support because not only is uh, she an awesome person, but uh, this app is really good at bringing people in our community together, and that is what uh, this podcast is about, is uh, connecting over your uh, geekiness. So go do that. Go check out her Nerd Out Kickstarter and uh, give her some love and support. All right, so the main feature for today, Chikara. What is it? How do we find out about it? And why should we be excited about it? Hmm. Uh, so I went on a little bit of a ramble earlier. So I'm going to repeat a little bit what I said there and build off of that. Right? Chikara Pro is a, a company that produces Lucha Libre events, uh, not just throughout the United States, but internationally as well. And our events, our shows, our storylines, our characters are all inspired by nerd culture, right? By comic books, by cartoons, um, film that all relates to things that 
you would find in the geek and nerd realm, primarily comic books, that being the main source of influence. And because of this, we have an element to our shows that you're not going to get in any other kind of live entertainment. We are a comic book coming to life. The action that we produce in the rings is not like what you get on television. It's very similar, obviously, because it's still professional wrestling. But because we have that comic book element, they're characters that may have magical powers or characters that look like, you know, myself, like an anthropomorphic King Cobra. And uh, that's not something you get in any other form of entertainment currently. Now, what what drew you to um, take up the mantle of Ophidian? Like, what is it about that character that is is so you? It didn't necessarily come from this place, but it started from the look of Cobra of Serpentor, I'm sorry, uh, from G.I. Joe. I've always been drawn in by villainous characters like that. And at the end of the day, uh, whether or not he really is a bad guy, like Cobra Commander, Serpentor, and uh, and Destro, and all those guys, there's still a likable, a lovable quality that they all contain. Sometimes you want to root for the bad guy. You know, sometimes the bad guy is cool and and awesome and, and, and has that, like in, in Serpentor's case, having snakes live on the side of his head. How could you not be a young kid and think that, <laughs> you know, that's awesome? Um, <laughs> so that look has always appealed to me. And uh, I didn't want to be inspired by Mortal Kombat, specifically in the pro wrestling world, because there's a lot of Mortal Kombat influences throughout wrestling in general, especially because of its place in pop culture. Pro wrestling very much emulates pop culture. There's a phrase that I use, I can't say that I use myself regularly, it's a phrase that exists within entertainment and art, is that talent borrows and genius steals. Um, it's very pertinent to pro wrestling. Is they, they don't hide the fact that they steal from pop culture regularly. And I'm not saying they're taking exactly what somebody else is doing, but they allow themselves to be influenced by what's happening in the world of what's popular currently to morph what's, what's happening there to keep it relevant and keep it mainstream. So I went the other out. I went, uh, I decided that my love of G.I. Joe and Serpentor would help influence where I go. And I have a natural flexibility for those that have seen me perform or those that may be interested in seeing, seeing me. My body language is very reminiscent of a Cobra. I can promise you that, the way I spin, the way I, I slither and slide across the ring. You'd, you'd look at me and go, you know what, you wouldn't be anything else. And I'd say, yes, you are correct. <laughs> now, do you have do you have a uh, a foil? Because so many, you, you mentioned those those classic villains that, that we all like. And, and I remember, you know, you've got Cobra Commander and, and Serpentor, and you've got you know, even um, Megatron and Starscream, just kind of that, if you didn't know better, you'd think they were an old married couple. Do you have that kind of person that kind of chips away at you or pokes at you and <laughs> makes things difficult for you? Uh, so um, I do have a longtime tag team partner since day one for the last 10 years. Amasis, the funky pharaoh, was my tag partner. So he's a breakdancing, um, you know, ancient Egyptian pharaoh, and I'm his breakdancing anthropomorphic, you know, Egyptian king cobra. Nice. And uh, we've, uh, we've been teaming together for a long time, and uh, the colony was prob- has probably been our biggest rivals as uh, we've had more bouts with them than we've had with any other team. The colony hail from the ant hill, and there's fire ant, there's soldier ant, there's worker ant, there's silver ant, there's carpenter ant, there's uh, uh, there's so many of them that exist. Currently a bullet ant and missile assault ant. There's uh, The colony has been big foils, but now we're teaming with them as uh, Amasis and myself are technicos, which in the world of Lucha Libre, 
the Technicos are the guys that were on the uh, side of good, and Rudos are the evildoers. Um, we're currently fighting a team under the hex of Nals Maldun. They are the Hexed Men in Hollow Wicked and Frightmare. And Oberian and Kodama, who were part of the Batiri. All these guys that are uh, pure evil. That's so awesome. I love this kind of stuff. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, you've talked about the, the uniqueness of the of the promotion and how it, it has geek culture ties. Is there any, how, how does somebody, where would we find you? Where, where is it just online? Are there live events? Where, where do we go to see this kind mm-hmm. of stuff? Absolutely. Uh, so Chikara Pro runs a live stream, uh, streaming service. I'm sorry, Chikaratopia, that you can view all our content on there. I mean, talking about 15 plus years of shows. Um, if I remember right, it's uh, about 700 hours of shows that we have uploaded on our streaming service. Wow. Um, on Chikaratopia. Yeah. So we've been around for a very long time and we produce content regularly. Our shows were based out of the Northeast Philadelphia, so our main location is there. That's where we run a majority of our shows. But on December 3rd, we'll be in Chicago for a double header. So we'll have two shows, a 2 p.m. and a 7 p.m. show for our season finale, because our storylines are broken up into seasons like you would for a TV show. Um, so our season finale is December 3rd in Chicago. Um, just last month in October, we were in Massachusetts. Earlier in the year, back in May, we did a, a tour of the United Kingdom. We're in Scotland and England and Wales. And uh, yeah, anywhere that you expect, we will be, except, except on the West Coast. The West Coast is a little difficult to run. Shows that. I, I uh, would imagine. Comparatively speaking to the, you know, America is way, it's way bigger than people realize. And you go to other countries and start traveling over there, like, oh man, like, we are unnecessarily huge as a country. Was, we are uh, massive. Was, uh, was, uh, performing in, uh, the UK different in any way? Did, did the crowd respond different, differently? How was that? Cause that's gotta be a little bit culturally different than than what you're used to on the, on just the east coast so uh i've been lucky enough that i've performed in mexico and chile and throughout the uk and germany and canada and japan and uh the united kingdom uh the fan base over there i'd say is a little more alive and they're rabid in a way that american fans are not but it makes for an environment that pushes you to perform at a higher level i would say the biggest culture shock is japan the way they view entertainment is very different so you can see audience sometimes in classic you know wrestling matches um and some of this still exists till to today um where the audience will sit quiet and just watch they don't sound, they don't make sounds, they don't make, they don't chant. They just watch and enjoy your performance. And they will give you applause or, you know, a roar if something major happens, but they're really there to just concentrate on the entertainment that you're presenting them and to not interfere or distract the performers. So that, that can be a bit jarring when you're used to, you know, an American culture or British culture that I've had the opportunity to go over there very often. That is very, very much the opposite where you feed off of that energy that they give you in order to push you harder. Yeah. It's um, gotta be a little unsettling because if you're used to, if you're used to the kind of hum of, of a crowd behind you and then have <laughs> silence, it's gotta be a little bit of a, 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 a culture shift. <laughs> it definitely is. And the newer audience, the younger generation coming up, isn't as quiet at shows as the older generation is. And you're starting to see a bit of a shift where the, the Japanese culture and the way they consume pro wrestling is closer to what you'd get in America. But it's not there yet. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. obviously that that younger generation is becoming more accustomed to being okay with cheering and booing and chanting and clapping like professional wrestling, I think, needs. You know, it's about it's an art form that very much is dictated by the audience. And there aren't many other other than, you know, improv, there aren't many uh, art forms that still allow that to happen, where the audience can in some way dictate the outcome of what happens or at least sway it in a direction during its performance. Well, there's also just that natural energy. I mean, I know just being uh, you know a theater performer, you, you definitely build momentum and, and feel like you're having a better performance when when you have that immediate feedback and you know what's working and what's not. And. And so, uh, you know, it's an important thing. I know there's been a couple of shows at my school that the kids will come backstage at intermission and be like, wow, the audience is not with us at all. And I'm like, well, they're enjoying it. They're just not loud. You know, keep going out there and do your thing. And, you know, it's hard because you don't know, are they liking it or are they not liking it? It's, it's rough. Yeah. But that's how I think at the end of the day, I mean, as much as pro wrestling needs that or just entertainment, if you have an audience captivated enough where you've kept them quiet like you can see their eyes on you and they're quiet because they're so lost in your performance that's the biggest compliment that you can have and not just you know people that cheer or boo at least the pro wrestling because they're because that's the automatic response that's the the thing that they have to do mm-hmm. you know when they don't when they don't act in that way is i feel the the best kind of compliment when they don't follow that strict structure of fandom now you are also uh, as you've mentioned before you're not just a performer but you're also a teacher yes so tell me a little bit about that. How would I know there are a lot of uh, of up and coming wrestling hopefuls? What is that process like? Any any recommendations? Uh, so our facility, the Wrestle Factory, is a full time training facility based in the Northeast. So we're open seven days a week, running classes of all sorts: beginner, intermediate, advanced. We have a tiered system and a core system. So there's Lots of options if you're trying to just get your feet wet in professional wrestling. Like you would just like the experience of getting into a ring. We offer free workshops, usually about once a month or once every other month, depending on the you know the time of the year. Or we offer like basic classes, like a seven week course, or we offer a full structure where you know you can get on shows and perform. But I'll, I'll take a step back for a second. In my mind, and this is just my opinion. This isn't necessarily the opinion of everybody or even the school overall. But my opinion of professional wrestling is that we are trained martial artists. Mm-hmm. We are learning a form of martial arts and applying that martial arts into a theatrical setting. So you have martial arts for self-defense, for like street fighting purposes. You have martial arts for demonstration purposes with swords and boas and things like that, weaponry. And you have martial arts for theater, which is, you know, like stage combat and, and stuff for film. Well, that, and we're learning that theatrical martial art. Because this martial art we use, right, we're, we're telling you a story with it. Because pro wrestling is very much theater. So not only do you have to learn a physical element, and a very, very physical element, which I can dive into in a second, like what that's like, you also have to learn the theatrical aspect of it, what it's like to perform in front of an audience, and what that means to actually emote and and create a performance that can run the gamut of emotion and draw a crowd in and let them, or give them the ability to fall into what you're doing and uh progressing training encompasses all of that and on top of all that the training facility that we run is teaching you to work in front of and behind the camera so you're getting a behind the scenes look you're learning how to run the audio how to record the shows how we live stream our events because we do offer that service where we'll stream live you know pay-per-views on our streaming service and uh you're also you know whether it's breaking down and setting up a ring or 
you know, running production at the show, you're getting all the elements of that at our training facility. Since it's our service and we have a studio set up in there, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a that's, whole lot. It, it's it's great that you're teaching all aspects of it. Now, does everybody get the? Um, I mean, like, while taking my experience from example, is I I went to school for theater, but I also decided on my own that I wanted to learn the technical so that I had a good base in both. Is it tiered like that where they can learn whatever they want or do they have to do they have to learn all of it? Like how how do you guys handle that? So uh when it comes to the let's say the physical aspect of it, the just getting into the ring and learning the basics of the performance art, that's a seven week structure. We run a tiered system. So we have one oh one, two oh one, three oh one set up where if you pass one oh one you go to two oh one, pass two oh one you go to three oh one. Those are seven week courses. And if you show the ability to protect yourself and protect the others around you, then we can move you through that system. Meaning that you don't necessarily have to know how to do a backflip mm-hmm. because that's not in the that's not necessarily in it within the realm of possibility for everybody immediately. But can you fall and can you do it safely? If you were given the opportunity to help somebody else fall, could you put them down safely? Will you protect them as much as you protect yourself? You will? Great. You can move through our system and do this tiered system. The core system is where you learn all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, our core system is our main training system that gives you the ability to train almost every day of the week, you know, 365 days in a year. Well, that tiered system is one day a week. And that core system is putting you on the track to learn all the behind-the-scenes stuff as well as get you ready as a performer um, for our shows. That's very cool. Now, as somebody who wants to get into this, do you have recommendations or suggestions? There's one thing I tell every single set of students that come into the school, whether they're brand new into the tiered classes or they're brand new into the core system, is that you can't be afraid to fail because mm-hmm. you're going to. And a lot of people are afraid to step into professional wrestling because they think that it's difficult or it's overly difficult and they'll never be able to do it. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too small. I'm too skinny. My anxiety will never let me do it. Or uh, I have these physical limitations, you know, these disabilities that don't allow me to, would never allow me to do these kind of things. Like, no, we, there is an opportunity for everybody, everybody, regardless of age, race, gender, disability, or doesn't matter what it is. You're, there is a place for you in professional wrestling. We will put you on a track that will get you to perform if that is your end goal. We've had students that have had cerebral palsy. We've had students that have had even the loss of limbs. Um, one of my more recent students um, didn't have his lower half of his right arm. Um, and we've seen it with guys like Zach Gowan, who have only had one leg performing for the WWE. You just can't be afraid to fail because you're, you're going to. I still fail regularly. You know, I've been doing it for a decade and I still mess up and there's still things that I do wrong. Um, I don't always get it right. But uh, if you can get past that, if you cannot be afraid to fail. Uh, that's really where you. It's really the, the biggest hurdle I think for most people is that fear of failure. That's not just good wrestling advice. That's good life advice. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many students that I think are are afraid of of that failure that they they don't want to try, and and that's something that I think as a society we just really need to to remind people that that's how you learn. That's how you become better at whatever you're going to do. You're not going to be amazing the first time you go out at it, and that failure is good for you. It absolutely is. Uh, you can learn so much by failing in front of an audience or just failing at something in life. Sometimes doing it wrong means you can do it right. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, 
the students don't always understand that at the school <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> when, when, when they do do something wrong and like, no, this hurt a lot. And it's like, well, now you know why it hurts. <laughs> so you know what not to do to make it hurt next time. You have uh, just learned. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. There's a bad stigma about professional wrestling that it's lowbrow entertainment and that it's, that it's a very physical and it's a very uh, machismo and, you know, uh, testosterone driven environment. And I don't believe that to be the case at all. One, our our company is a great example. We've been around for 15 years producing live shows and events all around the world. And uh, we're very much inspired by nerd culture as well. And two, we're in the day and age where we can kind of pull back the curtain a bit on, on professional wrestling, uh, you know, and tell you more about it and talk about the theatrical elements of it. And then it's not just a physical performance art. It's a it's very much theater. And sometimes that physical element takes a backseat to the storytelling. So you can have performances that are almost no, that aren't dominated by the physical aspect of it, that are strictly just, you know, performance-based, you know, riding the gamut of emotions for an audience. And uh, I think that uh, once people realize, or start to realize more so, that this is just entertainment. Uh, it's not necessarily something like when you go to watch, you know, any of your favorite films, you know, let's say the the, the Avengers currently and you know, Marvel's what we we're talking about earlier. You know, you sit down for that two and a half hours and you see this ensemble crew come together and put on a performance for you. You don't go in that moment, man, like this is this is really fake, you know, or this is really I don't really buy that. Uh, what's going on here that, you know, the villains are, you know, Ultron's robots that are taking over the planet. You, you know, so you allow yourself to sit for that two and a half hours and be entertained by it. And it's the same with professional wrestling. If uh, you allow yourself just the ability to just see it as entertainment and performance art, uh, you get much more enjoyment out of it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited that I got a chance to talk to you about this today because I think it, like I said earlier, it's, it's brought up a lot of uh, nostalgia for me and it's kind of reminded me of a, a forgotten geekdom that I'm, <laughs> I am uh, going to probably look back into. So thank you for that. No problem. As we close up today, um, do you have any shout-outs, anybody you'd like to acknowledge? Oh, man. Jason, I know you're going to listen to this. Thanks for hooking this up and getting us on Geektitude. Yes, definitely. Thank you for, uh, for <laughs> making contact. I'd like to give a quick shout-out to my husband and to uh, his parents who have been with us over the, the Thanksgiving break and have uh, been very kind to do a lot of the prep and Thanksgiving work uh, and give me a little bit of a break because it's been a very stressful semester and a very busy semester. And uh, the reason why I've been able to play as much Heroes of the Storm as I have is because uh, they've been picking up some of the slack, and I, I very truly appreciate it. Are your husband's parents there now listening to you interview uh, an anthropomorphic king cobra? <laughs> no, they are aware <laughs> that you are uh, that I am interviewing, but um, but no, my my husband's parents never stop. Like they they can't come visit us and just relax. They have to do things. So I think one of them is out. I, I hear my father-in-law moving some sort of metal something. I don't know if it's a ladder, <laughs> but, but he's, he is definitely working on something, and I have a feeling that my mother-in-law is in the kitchen cooking or prepping food. So uh, I'm very lucky that I have the in-laws that I do because they are very gracious with their time and talents. On the opposite end of the spectrum, my wife is sleeping still in the other <laughs> room. <laughs> it is 12.45 over here, and she is dead asleep still. That is okay too. It is it is a Saturday morning. I think it's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was up late working last night because we run our own business, and you know it can be difficult sometimes because you make your own hours. So sometimes making your own hours means you're up till three a.m. 
making tights for a professional wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's another thing we didn't we didn't touch upon, but you we will definitely throw any um any sites into the show notes if somebody's looking for uh for costuming for wrestling. You, you Not even just that. Go. We make uh because my wife's a burlesker, she makes stuff for uh, she makes burlesque costumes. We make professional wrestling. We've done stuff for cosplayers. We primarily do pro wrestling because that's our, uh, we work with Jakara Pro. Right. Um, that's our, our main client. So that's what we produce the most of, but we make everything. My wife is capable of producing anything that you can put on paper. She will make it come to life. Is that part of Closet Champion? Yes, that's okay. all closet champion. Yes. All right, so we'll make sure that with that gets into the show notes. All right, uh, we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, next week we will be talking about the cre- uh, We'll be talking with the creators of the independent comic book Kinsey. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Where can we find you, Ophidian? Uh, you can find me at all of those same things, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Ophidian Cobra. You can also check out Chikara Pro at Chikara Pro for Twitter and uh, Facebook. Um, or check out ChakarPro.com, and you can sign up for a free week of Chakartopia and check out our huge library of content. Whether it's guys on the independent level or WWE, you'll find all sorts of performers in our back catalog. Um, and then you can also check out The Wrestle Factory at WrestleFactory underscore on Twitter or just at WrestleFactory on Instagram, and that's TheWrestleFactory.com. Or you can check out Chikara Pro's YouTube channel at Chikara Live, where you can also watch a weekly YouTube series by me uh, called Ring Shape, where I show you exercises you can do yourself at home or exercises that we do in the ring to get ourselves in ring shape. And last, Patreon.com slash Closet Champion, if you'd like to support myself or just check out some exclusive content. And also, let's not forget uh, the Bump and Grind podcast. Yes, the Bump and Grind podcast being a part of the Patreon. Currently doesn't have its own social media because we want to... We didn't want to make a fourth Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, or Facebook account. We're keeping it all under Closet Champion, so you can check out Closet Champion at Closet Champion on Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff as well. And you'll find all the bumper grind stuff within that. Yeah, I recently just started a, a second podcast because it is. A, I, will, I will warn you, it's addictive. Once you start one, <laughs> it's very easy to start a second and a third. But I just started the second, and yeah, I have to switch through tw- three Twitters now <laughs> on a pretty regular basis to make sure I'm covering everybody. Well, thank you again, Ophidian, for having a conversation with us today, and uh, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to hear you had a wonderful time at Thanksgiving. The holidays are very important for recharging, and uh, I hope you feel well refreshed when you head back to school on Monday. <laughs> thank you very, very much. And to everybody out there listening, remember, this week, keep it geek. Yes.